the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Every morning is a new opportunity to take in the news of the day and the challenges of life and try to make sense of it all. Right now, we've got a show that tackles the topics and asks what you think. So get ready to start your day with a bold look at history as it happens. Let's learn, live, and sometimes laugh together. It's the Mark Davis Show on 660 AM, The Answer. And a good morning, everybody. Nine o'clock hour, plenty of New Hampshire the morning after. Stuff to chew on, stuff to sift through, stories to examine. But this week, we do have a state of Texas issue that is in the process of getting resolved. We'll get there at some point, one imagines. In Senate District 30, where Drew Springer has said, I think I really like the idea of returning to private life, uh, there are four folks uh, in the Republican primary, upon winning the Republican primary, the presumed winner, it's one of those where the primary is probably the general election. And there's been some attention to Brent Hagenboop, who entered the race as Denton County GOP chair and his uh, resume and endorsements from Abbott and Patrick and Rick Perry and a bunch of other senators like, wow, you know, and, and there seems to be the guy to beat. But does he live in the district? That is the question sincerely asked by the other three people running in that, uh, Cody Clark, Jace Yarbrough, and Dr. Carrie Demore, who joins us now because there was some court action this week. We had Alan Blakemore on in support of Brent, uh, I guess that was yesterday, and Dr. Demore is here now. Hey, Carrie, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm good. So that day in court, it seems to me that nobody got exactly what they wanted. Uh, Brent wanted everything thrown out, and the court did not do that. You wanted him found ineligible because of residency. That didn't happen. But as we begin, tell me what happened to the, the, the demand. I think you and all the other two guys, I think, wanted him barred from campaigning. That was never going to fly. Yeah, I think that was the component of um, the TRO that we asked for that very likely um, was why the judge decided not to grant the TRO. But we are still moving forward on the eligibility issue and asking him to be declared ineligible. Um, and we will go to trial and we will do depositions um, and we will we will pursue that. So but what's the what the clock's ticking, man? Clock's ticking. I mean, the, the early voting is February 20th. Primary itself is March fifth. Uh, had Alan on, who's you know nothing but tireless in his support of his guide. He said, "Dude, this is we're done here." Is does the does the calendar even have a, a path forward for you to find has something found in your favor before the actual election? It's possible we are asking for an expedited uh, trial date, mm-hmm. so it's possible we could do something ahead of time. And realistically, this could drag past the primary. And I think we've always thought this could go to a runoff situation with him. And, you know, I have, you know, said from the beginning, I'm not afraid of taking him to the ballot. I'm not afraid of trying to beat him. Um, I'm really not even running against Brent Hagenby right now. I'm running against Alan Blakemore, who is the one who got these endorsements <laughs> for him in the first place. Brent- well, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great line. 
But, um, well, seriously, though, I don't think most Texans understand how um, things go with running for office here. And I've really learned a lot as a um, candidate about how much power consultants and certain things and money behind things have this power. And it's not really about um, how good a candidate is. And I think that's important people understand. But we're going to keep running a really good campaign, a positive campaign from my perspective about why I'm the better candidate. The attorney general is coming to Frisco to campaign with me tomorrow, and we are going to continue to um, to push for the best. But we are going to continue to try and uphold the law and the, and the rules because if his eligibility isn't, you know, determined to be, you know, that he's not eligible, then our laws really mean nothing. Our, our, our election laws are, are meaningless because he just is not eligible. Well, okay. so here's – let me uh, – tell me the legal argument that backs that. Because just as a guy talking to you, looking at what it means to live in a house, I asked Alan yesterday, how many nights has he spent in, in that address? And he said, I don't know. I believe that he doesn't know. But I think he knows that it is a paltry and small number. He doesn't live there at the office. Now, however, that's ultimately not what matters. The law is what matters. Rule of law, technicalities, call it what you will. I've asked him what is the exact legal argument that he does, that he can use that business address as, as a residence from which to run. What is the legal argument that you're aware of that he cannot so you're not allowed to, first of all, be running from a business address. It has to be an actual residence. The Denton, Denton City Ordinances are very clear about what that building and what his specific rented space is, is zoned for in his business owning. His own lease is very clear that he's not allowed to live there. Um, the property manager testified on Monday to this fact. Um, but not only that, even if he had said, fine, I was going to live there. The election code says you're not allowed to move somewhere to influence an election. You also, residency is defined as somewhere you intend to return to and that you intend to stay. He could have gone and then said, well, I, um, you know, I'm going to go back, but I do intend to go back and live there. He proved by going across the street and running an apartment across the street at the end of November that he never intended to return to live in that office building that he never really intended to live there. So there's multiple things. Even if he said, I slept there one night Hmm. in that building, he still showed by his actions that he never intended to return. Not, not a bad series of arguments. Uh, Wasn't this what went before Tarrant County? I think Mr. Yarbrough brought something in Tarrant County. Was, weren't these the arguments and they did not prevail? Well, the, the Tarrant County mandamus that, um, Jay Sarbrough had brought was actually to uh, have the Republican Party, Matt Rinaldi, um, remove him and asking them to tell the Republican Party to do that. It wasn't actually towards Brent, and I think that's where it gets confused. Gotcha. Brent wasn't actually named there. Gotcha. Well, let's do something crazy. Uh, let's uh, put the entire residency thing aside for the moment. I guess that'll get resolved one way or the other. Well, actually, one last thing, because I actually want to talk about an issue or two with you, which will be fun. Um, sure. is, the, is the plan now, if the calendar may not smile on a full resolution in your favor by March 5th, 
to just talk about this enough that that Brent, pardon the phraseology, is damaged sufficiently by these assertions that you at least get into a runoff against him? Well, I think definitely from the beginning, I mean, that is part of the the plan is to ensure that people know who they're voting for and are, are well informed. And I think that it is important that the voters know that he is at minimum a carpetbagger, but that he is definitely, you know, not a resident. I think, you know, it's been very made very clear also Denton County GOP, um, the party itself of which he used to be chair, um, issued a condemnation last Thursday of his candidacy because they said they know he doesn't live there. And they asked for him to withdraw from the race and they asked for him um, to apologize to the voters of SD30 because they know he lives in SD12. And so I think that that is a, you know, a significant sign that, you know, the people and the leaders within the party understand what's going on here. Eh, I, I saw that and I thought, wow, that's never a good day when the local party like condemns the fact that you're running. I mean, that's, that's, but I, that struck me as a lot of intra-party, there might be a whole lot of Paxton fan base and, and God bless that and God bless Ken and you got his endorsement. But I don't know if that moment of, of party nuts and bolts reflects some instant widespread consternation that Brent is a carpetbagger. I don't know about that. Well, he is. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and with that, let's go to an issue or two. If if Dr. Carrie Demore is here, and uh, one of, uh, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna meet Cody next week. We've had Jason. We will again. We'll we'll see how this all goes. It's quite the adventure. Are you guys? uh, Are are you guys all kind of three musketeers on this, or are you kind of starting to farm out in your own directions and be your own uh, be your own people in in your in in the primary path? Oh, I definitely think we're we are um, not the three musketeers, and I think we're definitely trying to you know get out and and spread our own message and and make sure people know who we are and what what we stand for. Gotcha. So, all right. So if different. if if all of this whole thing that we've now spent you know, ten minutes talking about, if it didn't exist, if it was just everybody out there on the merits. Uh, what makes you a superior uh, state senator to what Brent Hagenbu would be? You know, I think a lot of it comes down to life experience. And, you know, Brent likes to um, say that he's the only person that's ever built a business. That's not true. Um, I've been a not only an emergency physician, but businesswoman. And I think my experience in emergency medicine is very unique, and especially around a lot of the issues right now. And And I'm not doing this to necessarily because I had this lifelong goal of being a politician. I'm not a career politician or even a politician. I am a physician that sees my patients and the people in my community not represented well. And and my job is to listen to people. And my job is to deal with emergencies and, and take a large amount of information very quickly and help to fix things. And I think that skill set differentiates me that I am able to take that. I'm not going to sign a bill. I'm not going to vote for a bill that um, I haven't read, that I don't know what's in there. And I'm going to listen to the people. And I understand, you know, that it's important to represent the people who I who are electing me, that, that their voice is, is the bigger component of this, that they are giving me their power. I understand that role. 
And I think that the time I've spent in the emergency room listening to people and understanding how to, you know, help where I can identify important issues and then also pay attention to the issues and also be innovator. I would say that and also be an innovator for these issues and will be something that differentiates me and will make me a better senator and um, better representative for the people that um, live in SB 30. What does the Paxton endorsement mean to you and what does it say about you? So from, from my perspective, I didn't receive my endorsement from Ken Paxton for um, the fact that I had a consultant reach out to him. I didn't fill out a piece of paper and say, hey, Ken, will you endorse me? I've known Ken Paxton for um, over a decade, for a very long time, and um, have known his family very well, been very good friends with Angela. And for me, it is a about personal connection and somebody, his trust in me, which I very much appreciate. If he didn't think I was the right person for the job, he would not um, do it. There is... Um, it is a genuine, um, true endorsement of people who know each other. I've been a representative for him. I've been his appointee to the Texas, um, sorry, the Texas Opioid Fund Abatement Council fighting the fentanyl crisis since 2021, and I really um, have taken that role very seriously in Austin. And I am really grateful that the Attorney General has um, stood by me and been um, loyal to me in that endorsement. And I. I I'm just very grateful for it, and I think that it should speak volumes for for those that are Paxton supporters that, you know, he didn't do this because of, uh, it wasn't a financial reason, it wasn't a um, consultant reason, it was genuinely because he knew me and felt I was the best person. Carrie Demore is here at C. Demore, D-E-M-O-O-R-M-D, on the old Twitter X and CarrieDemore.com uh, on the website. Um, primaries are, are just a really interesting time around here. And what happens in this business is when I have somebody on in the midst of a busy primary, I get flooded with stuff and people say, ask him this, ask him this, ask him this. So part of that happened yesterday and Alan grew quite <laughs> impatient with me as I kept asking him stuff. And I'm like, how many nights did Brent spend? So you ready? You ready for yours today? Here, here's the I'm ask. Ready. Here's the ask. Carry this. We had this bill in the Senate where you seek to serve that was uh, to end the practice of surprise billing, where all of a sudden your medical bill has whoa, what the heck is that? And I think most people kind of liked having that surprise billing protection arise. Did you testify against that because you own a pop up ER? So I owned multiple and freestanding emergency centers, mm-hmm. and I did testify against it. But this is a really great question. I'm glad you brought it up. That bill was an absolutely anti-free market, meant to crush independent practice bill. And if you look, they promised you that your health care costs were going to go down, didn't they? Do you know how much the health care costs have risen since 2019? They have skyrocketed. So what we were saying then was this is this is a ruse. It was an absolutely pro-insurance company profit protection bill. It had nothing to do with really, truly protecting patients. And that is something that needs to be looked at. Independent physicians, if we are run out of business, which many have been, they will move towards consolidation. And when that consolidation happens, we will move towards universal health care. They will have control of the purse strings of your health care. And you will have no medical freedom. You will have no choice. So when we talk about surprise billing, you're not now it's just not surprising. You're just getting a massive bill from your insurance company. 
and you're being directed to higher cost of care. If that hadn't happened, we might have had a fighting chance to, to keep costs low, to have free market competition. So, yes, that is why I testified against that bill. Dr. Carrie Demore, C. Demore, M D D E M O O R. And that is the website, uh, CarrieDemore.com. We'll be talking uh, soon. We get to meet uh, Cody on Monday. Uh, we had Jason, we'll have him on, have you on again. Uh, Brent or Alan will be along at, at some point. And it's quite the adventure here in SD30. Carrie, thank you. Appreciate it very, very much. Thank you. You bet. Carrie Demore, 925. Mark Davis, 660 AM, the answer. Linda Ronstadt record, right? Yes, it is. Written by Warren Zavon. As was Carmelita, Muhammad's radio, Hasten Down the Wind, the very title of a Linda Ronstadt album in 76. All from the pen and mind of the great Warren Zavon, who would have been 76 today. All righty. 866-660-5759. All righty, a homestretch half hour. Stuff I haven't gotten to yet. Stuff in your head. Let me, I'll give you my, just my ever, not evolving, but just want to restate where I think this whole District 30 thing is going and where a bunch of other things are going, like the GOP nomination. My dog knows how the GOP nomination's going. He ain't even that smart. 9.32 into the newsroom we go. Here's Nikki Whaley. You knew it was coming. 1962, Ray Stevens. Let me tell you about Ahab the Arab, the sheik of the burning sand. They had emeralds and rubies just dripping off of him, had a ring on every finger of his hand. He wore a big old turban wrapped around his head, scimitar by his side. And every evening about midnight, he'd jump on his camel named Clyde. Oh, my. And ride. Has there been anybody like Ray Stevens? Of the seven veils, swinging his grade A number one U.S. choice government inspected dancing the Sultan's whole harem. Ahab the Arab kids from 1962. If you want to, okay, Ray. If, if you want to immerse yourself in that library, uh, Shriners Convention is, uh, is just absolute genius. The streak. And this was really funny because, and boy, this is for the whippersnappers once again. Uh, early to mid-70s. Oh, man. Uh, we had one of the Oscars, right? Streaking, the whole thing was that guys would, almost all guys, right? <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, would, uh, at public events in some, fa- or either through public squares, public venues, usually outdoors for easier exit, uh, easier escape, or or large events, uh, the whole idea was they would just, whoop, they would streak, run, but naked. Uh, through the public, creating uproar and consternation. And then they'd be gone, then be it, and everybody get back to their lives. Um, I, I think this reached its zenith. We had one at the Oscars, right? Was it in 1974? And I want to say David Niven, if I'd thought of that but this early, I'd find the clip. David Niven was presenting the very dignified, very astute David Niven. 
and uh, and and, a, and boy, I do. Maybe it's sort of the post nine eleven world where security is ramped up in a million different ways. How did this even happen? Of course, I guess the backstage of the Oscars is pretty crowded, and it's possible to infiltrate. It's kind of scary, really, because what I'm describing now is just a dude running naked across the Oscars stage. Something demonstrably worse could certainly happen. Anyway, though, on this particular date, Oscars of seventy four, I think. Streaker on the Oscars. If you're watching it live, whoop, naked guy runs right behind David Nevin. And his line, I think, is something out. How timely for the gentleman to come out and reveal his shortcomings. <laughs> anyway, The Streak by Ray Stevens, emblematic of that period. And and talk about, it was a huge number one. Just huge, huge, huge. All right, so uh, streaking across the uh, media narrative last night, what to make of the decisive Trump win. Let's start to tie a bow around this, at least for today, because with each ensuing day, you know, tomorrow, Friday. In fact, let me tell you something. When is Roger tomorrow, Rhonda? At 8.35 tomorrow, Congressman Roger Williams is going to join us, and he's got legislation that is that seems to be a retort to what the Supreme Court has done telling the feds, you go ahead and thwart the state of Texas as the state of Texas seeks to protect itself from an invasion. And uh, Senator John Cornyn gave us this wonderful, I need to look for the source material on this. He said 1830, there was a Supreme Court ruling that somebody had come down with that was hotly disagreed with. And somebody said, great, the Supreme Court has issued this ruling, now let them enforce it. That seems to be the attitude of, uh, of Chip Roy, uh, because I think he, he's one of, I think, maybe no small group of elected officials who are going to say to the state of Texas, you just keep doing what you're doing. And that, in fact, is exactly what the state of Texas is doing. As we speak, Texas National Guard putting up more razor wire. This led me to uh, tweet a picture of razor wire along the border and the accompanying slogan, come and take it. Look it up, little uh, revivification of Texas history. So American history is is being made, as for the first time in about 40 years, somebody has won Iowa and New Hampshire this decisively. The writing completely appears to be on the wall. Anyway, Roger Williams with us tomorrow at 835, and he's going to talk about legislation that may bolster Texas's ability uh, to, to do what is necessary to protect itself. Roger, 835, tomorrow. Right now, you remember about 45 minutes ago, I said there were two reasons to watch MSNBC. And I'm joking that it's two more reasons than you could probably think of, because why in the world would anybody do it? One is just schadenfreude, that wonderful term where you take joy in the misery of others. Just watching them react to uh, to the Trump win. They know what's coming. But the other reason is a a compliment to, to at least to NBC because this guy technically works for NBC, thus he's available all over the place to Lester Holt, uh, to, to Joe Scarborough, whatever. And that's the superb work of numbers analyst Steve Kornacki. So this morning, on a show I'm guessing none of you watch, <laughs> so I do it so you don't have to, but there was Steve. And uh, and I think it was Willie Geist who said, how did Trump do this? And Steve, to his credit, had the right answer. I mean, he did it by winning Republican voters. That's that's the short answer. He won Republican voters 
by 50, five zero points over Nikki Haley. Um, what went wrong for Haley in terms of not getting this within single digits or really getting in position to have a shot to win is two things. First of all, in the population centers of the state, we saw this in Iowa. That's where the voters that she tends to appeal to are disproportionately voters with higher incomes, places with higher concentrations of college degrees, more moderate voters, that sort of thing. Yeah, Nashua, New Hampshire, the second largest city in the state, right across the uh, Massachusetts border, is a perfect example. This was supposed to be in Haley's world. This was supposed to be Haley country. Has exactly the kind of voters I'm talking about, and yet she didn't even win Nashua. This is a place she needed to win by about ten points. And the other, she won. Uh, what was it? it? Was fifty-three to forty-seven. Because that was, Haley was supposed to win the college towns, the somewhat more urbanized, and yes, there are a couple of urbanized pockets in New Hampshire, uh, and, and she didn't even win those. This was her best shot, and she got stomped problem that Nikki Haley had is, and we saw this in Iowa, when you get away from population centers and you get to areas that are small individually but big collectively and that really are becoming the backbone of the Republican Party, especially since Donald Trump came on the scene nearly a decade ago now. Pause, because this is exactly, this resonates in Texas. This is what I've told you. This was the Dan Patrick logic when we had him on during his reelection campaign. And he like, what do you do? Get in a truck and go to all, all types of small counties that are just 90% Republican. And people said, Dan, why are you here? And he said, look, the reason I'm here is I know I'm going to win this county, but I need to win it so decisively. I mean, if I'm going to get 80% in a given county, I need to get 85 or 90. I need to stoke it for every vote that I can because it is all of these lesser populated areas, all of these rural areas, all of these ranchers, all of these farmers, all of these small town salt of the earth folk who collectively are going to outweigh Houston and Dallas and Austin and San Antonio and El Paso, the blue measles in our red state. So that's why things like that are important. We're talking about small towns. We're talking about rural areas. We're talking about places with lower median incomes, places with lower college attainment. Nikki Haley did absolutely nothing in Iowa with places like that. There were a quarter of the counties in the state where she got single digits, and that trend absolutely continued in New Hampshire. Which is why there is no path forward. I mean, come on. So I think one of the last things I can do that would be good, I always like to take a look at sort of the broad packages of journalism on a given morning when we wake up and say, okay, what happened? Bree Jackson, NBC. We will never forget you. We will never forget. Former President Trump defeating his lone Republican rival in the New Hampshire primary, moving him closer to a rematch with President Biden. We've won almost every single poll in the last three months against crooked Joe Biden. Almost every poll. Despite her Granite State loss, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley contends the race for the Republican nomination is far from over. We still have a ways to go, Mm -hmm. but we keep moving up. Well, okay. (laughs) Okay, what? Did she do better in New Hampshire than she did in Iowa? Yes, she did. So if, so, okay, all right. Hey, that's an uptick. So does that suggest that if if things continue to, if if she continues to gain on Trump, she stays in. But if things begin to sag, if things begin to falter, that maybe that's a signal to get out. Is that is the opposite true? Because here comes South Carolina, where she is going to get beaten. Has vowed to stay put, at least through Super Tuesday in March, when 16 states vote. 
I spoke with NBC News senior political editor Mark Murray about the rationale behind that. One can accrue delegates and see what ends up happening several months from now, particularly as former President Donald Trump faces a lot of legal challenges. Does anybody, does this genius think that some, some there's going to be some magic, super secret, terrible, razor sharp legal challenge that's going to make half of his base all of a sudden go, oh, Nikki Haley needs to be president. Dream on, bud. President Biden beat his Democratic challengers in New Hampshire as a write-in candidate. During a campaign event Tuesday, Biden was heckled by protesters, including those calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. Um, just, just get ready. Just do not go to Chicago in August, which is probably good advice anyway. But uh, the, the, I, you can hear the rioting from here. He warned that domestic issues like abortion access are at stake in the November election. It was Donald Trump and his Supreme Court who ripped away the rights and freedoms of women in America. Uh-huh. And it'll be Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and all of you who are going to restore those rights for the women in America. Presidential campaigns making their case as more voters weigh in on who they believe the nominees should be. All righty, there you go. So, New Hampshire in the rearview mirror, which I think was a Mac Davis record. <laughs> no, that was Lubbock. All right, 950, um, a Warren Zavon record that means a great deal to me when we, uh, when we get out next. Next to Engine drivers headed north to Pleasant Street. Keep me in your heart for a while. The great Warren Zavon would have been 76 today. These wheels keep turning, but they're running out. This is Keep Me in Your Heart. Keep me in your heart for a while. For Rhonda and Matt and Nikki and me. God bless our country, our troops, our families. Have a great day. Enjoy every sandwich. Mike Gallagher's next, right here on 660 AM. The answer. See you in the morning. Keep me in your heart for a while. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.